We are starting a new series. It's going to go all year. Um, so, nice little graphic up there, and I don't have to do it again for like 52 weeks. Uh, so, the end of the year. Our kids start counting down, um, like I think in June, till Christmas. And it's like uh, 180 days left till Christmas. And then Christmas comes and Christmas goes, and then Christmas night begins a new countdown. Right? The new countdown is how many days do we have to go back to school? That's a lot shorter of a list, of course. And it's about six days or four days or whatever it is. Right? We rip through the presents and we have all the fun. And, uh, and then it's, um, and then it's, you know, a little excitement with the presents and then, uh, then already it turns to the drudgery of back. By the way, someone got my, my, uh, second youngest son a wood burning kit of all funny things. Uh, for those of you who are here for that. I also, my, one of my sons, uh, actually all my sons got very pointy objects. Um, Julian, his, his uncle gave him a three-bladed knife, like a throwing knife. Uh, I, I, I said, that's going to be attached permanently to the wall as a decoration, like I. <laughs> so I cut myself on it about 40 seconds after he opened it. So that's, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought it was kind of ironic after talking about bad gifts and everything. Um, so when things start over, and, and this, is the, this is the time of the year where we start thinking about starting over, and, um, and our minds turn to another year. Right? So for the next month, uh, there's going to be a change in people's actions, like, like gyms are going to be full. Like any exercise, those places are going to be packed for the next month. Right? All the guilt. All the guilt that we've had for since November, and and we're going to be just jam packed. Um, it's funny. I, I I did some of that exercise stuff when we first got here and realized that I don't like doing it. And uh, but afterwards, they'd be talking about how they were going to go out to some bar, and I'm like, Do you realize how many calories are in a beer? Hey, you're going to go out. You just like killed yourself for an hour. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be able to move. Those things are hard. I, those are hard to do. I don't go largely because Katie started going and I can't keep up with her. So I don't want to look bad in front of everybody. And so I stopped going. But but in that period of time, uh, people would talk about and you're so sore for like two days. And then you worked that hard to burn 550 calories. And then they're gonna go out to a bar and consume 1500 and like, you're not good at math. Right? But we feel guilt for not living up to expectations, not accomplishing what we want to, and so we all look forward to a new beginning. The new series that we're going to be doing, if you haven't guessed, we're going to be going through the, the names of Jesus throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. Yes, he's mentioned in the Old Testament. Um, there's, there's a lot of names of Christ. Um, we want to know more about Christ. And a lot of times when we, we say that, we do a lot of sermons about Christ. And, and what we do is we learn a lot about Christ. Right? And what we want to do is not just learn about Christ, but these are all the different representations of Him. And, and each one represents a different aspect of our relationship to Him. And we've talked so much about um having a relationship with God and what does that mean and what's the difference between knowing 
Jesus and knowing about Jesus. Well, I want to start with Philippians 3, 7 through 11, because that's important. It says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count it as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness that's my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings and become like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. A lot of times we would like to stop after that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's good. And then the other stuff, you can kind of keep that stuff. Um, but but we, the, the, the concept of knowing him, we know a lot about him. And, and, and our sermons, and we look at this detail about him, and what's the difference? So, what is the practical difference? Because we don't see him. We don't talk to him like, like we talk to somebody that we, we can see on the phone. Now, prayer is not really the same thing. How do we know him? What, how do you do that? What does that mean? Is that just one of those trite things that, those, those little things that preachers say a lot and never really explain it? What does it mean to know him? How do I know him? Well, what's the difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody? Let's, let's take it maybe down on our level a little bit. When a guy sees a girl that he wishes to know, what does he do? He doesn't march right up to her because we're chickens. He starts probing people that know her about her. Like, what does she like? What does she not like? He might even dare to ask the relative, hey, listen, you got a cousin. Uh, what is... What does she like? What does she like to do? What is, and so he starts probing, get information about her. Why? So he can impress her. He doesn't want to do the wrong thing. Like, oh my goodness, she hates that. Ah, shows my chances, right? So he starts to learn information about her. That's where it starts. Learn about her. Get impressed. I can impress her. I do this thing. And she's like, wow, I like that. How did you know? Huh? It must be the fate. No, I, I did some reconnaissance, right? What happens later? See, years later, he's successful. We're going to suppose in this illustration that he's successful. And he gets the girl. He impressed her enough. He knew enough about her. And so they're married. He no longer has, well, sometimes, but he no longer really has to probe her for information about herself. He just kind of knows. Right? The difference is familiarity. He walks through a store and goes, that's something she likes. Boom, grabs it. Right? You know, you know. Like, better not do that. She won't like that. Listen, kids, I know. I've been with this lady for a while. You better not do that. It's not going to end up well for you. Why? He knows it. It's the difference. It's familiarity. And so what we want to do, all those words, we want to become familiar with them so that they're second nature. That's the only difference. There's no magical thing of the relationship. It's just the degree of familiarity with Christ, that we want to get all those, all those words. What do those mean? Well, we do have to begin with some information, with some learning about 
Christ. It's just a, it, it's not two different things. It's just really a step in the process. Knowing about comes first and then the knowing. The structure of the series, um, I, I've grouped each month kind of, uh, I've already got my outline for the year. It's great. So I don't even have to do all that prep. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, but we're going to go through each concept, take about a month and look at different concepts and group them. And the idea that I want to do is, is that we can not just have something that we each grow closer to, but, but a relationship because it is a process to begin from knowing about to, to knowing. These should be things that that no matter where you're at, some sermons it's like, oh, sorry guys, uh, uh, this is a deep one. <laughs> Those who aren't <laughs> deep aren't going to get much about this. But this is going to be something that, that you have a, a relative or a friend or somebody that you know. You can start anywhere. You can start in the knowing about and move on up to the knowing. Right? Uh, so, so if you have people that you would like to bring, I don't know how to do that. This is all about knowing Christ. Everything we do is about knowing Christ. And, and so that begins with the knowing about. Right. This person doesn't really know much. Can we say come to church? This is the perfect place to be. To know about Christ so that they can know Christ. So where do we begin? Well, we begin at the beginning. Right? Start at the beginning. So we would naturally turn to Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That's what he said in the very last chapter of the book. Like, yeah, seems like we should have started that somewhere in the beginning. But no. He stated that at the very end. I thought about splitting these up and do the Alpha at the beginning and then at the end, very end, uh, do the Omega. But it doesn't really quite work like that because these two things, as we will see, are very inseparable so I want to talk about the Alpha and the Omega. You can't talk about one. Christ cannot be one without being the other. Now, you might recognize Alpha and Omega. Those are Greek letters. And these are going to serve to give us three ideas. I want to look at three ideas. Now, there's only actually two different definitions in Revelation 22:13. We're going to look at those two, and then we're going to kind of add one in at the end here. But as we said, before we can know him, we must know about him. So let's learn a little bit about him and what it means to be the Alpha and the Omega. It means to be the first and the last. This is some general information about him. He is the first and the last. Now, I understand first. That's easy. He's the first thing. Uh, Now, what is the concept of a beginning? Well, we see several times throughout this passage the concept that, that Christ is eternal. He is the beginning. We have an easier time understanding something that begins and has no end. Right? The first, to understand the first, that's harder. What I mean by that is, this is the way we think. Because we have a beginning. Everything that we know in life has a beginning. Now, I'm told that I'm going to have no end if I, if I, if I go to heaven and everything. I, I'm going to live forever. So, I understand, not really, but I can kind of generally get the concept of something that starts and continues. I can kind of think, yeah, there's always going to be another day. 
Now, after a while, even that gives me an ice cream headache. But I can kind of get that idea. I cannot think about this. I cannot, I can't, like, like I, you say, okay, where did God come from? Well, he just always was. My brain doesn't do that because everything has a beginning. I'm just used to everything in my universe having a beginning. I can think, okay, there's always another day after that. That part. But to go, okay, so yesterday God was. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was there yesterday. What about the day before? Okay, he was there. Yeah, but what about before that? It doesn't take me too long before my brain just goes, no, I'm full and I can't think any further. <laughs> that, he always was. Yeah, but, but what about before that? He was there too. That doesn't work in my universe. But God always was. He always, Christ was, and he always will be. It's not just the easier one to understand, but it's that really hard one to understand. Christ always was. As much as Christ has no end, he has to have no beginning. He is the Alpha and Omega. Whatever's at the end, well, there is no end. Well, he's that. <laughs> he's also the Alpha. Whatever there never, I mean, whatever was before that was before that, yeah, he's there. Look before that, you'll see Christ. The day before that, yeah, you'll see Christ. He always is. He's the Alpha and the Omega. One of the simple verses, and I'm just going to rip it. Um, well, I somehow didn't make it in there. But uh, John 1-2 says that he is, um, he was in the beginning with God. And so, we get that concept in the beginning. Right? In the beginning. What is the beginning? Well, Beginning is where we start to turn from information about to its connection. We talk about first, that shows a chronological relationship. Christ with relationship to the universe. He's the first. Not just the first like that existed, just the, the first. <laughs> Always was. That shows. But when we start talking about the beginning, it begs a question. The beginning of what? Now we start to get that connection to you and me. In other words, he shows cause. He's the beginning of things. Christ is the beginning of other things existing. So it's not just the beginning. It's not just where he is in time, but it's not where he is in relationship. And so now we start bringing in the concept of relationship and familiarity. He is the reason for the existence of all things. He's also the end of all things. Oh, we don't like that. Luke one thirty three. We read probably many of you read this if you read the the Christmas story, right? He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So when we talk about end again, our brain likes to think about beginnings and ends. That's we like we like this is where it started, this is where it finished. We don't like things just continuing on. Naturally. I mean, I like to think about heaven going on, but, but I don't like to think about things continuing. We, we like starts and stops. It makes things nice to think about. So when it says that he's the end, it doesn't mean like the stop. It means just the last point. There's, the kingdom has no end. Why? Because it's in Christ. 
Whatever the end is, there'll be a day after that and you'll see Christ. And the day after that, there'll be Christ. He is the end. And since the kingdom is in Christ, that makes it pretty convenient. That's where that we never end part happens. So, he is the beginning and he is the end. Now, <clears throat> I said there were two concepts and we were kind of busting through my material here. That's like two pages and we almost through it. Well, Revelation only had two ideas. And I said there were three. So where's this other one coming? Because there's also everything in between. I want to talk about those two Greek letters, Alpha and Omega. The um, Our number system is fairly modern. We've, we borrowed it from the Arabs. Before that, they used letters. Right? They used their letters were important in math, and so so numbers were letters. Now, alpha was obviously one. Now, this doesn't really have much significance because omega was 800, which doesn't really do much for us. Like 800 isn't really eternity. So, um, what does this mean? But they had a different function. Alpha and omega had a different function other than just representing a number, together, they worked a lot like this, a set. They worked like a parenthesis, sort of. They worked to show a complete set of things. Like, I like Excel. Right? Talk about that. And you want to group these things together and show a complete set of things, and alpha and omega would denote that. This is a complete mathematical set. Christ is the Alpha and Omega. I want to show you how this works a little bit uh, in just a second. But spiritually, Christ sums up everything. Look, look, look at the scripture here. Isaiah 44, 6 explains how this works. It says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and beside me, there is no God. So, He is the complete mathematical set that represents God. Christ is it. Take out God and put in Christ. Christ is, there is no other. There's no other things in the set called God. Christ is it. He's the Alpha and the Omega. No one else gets in between those parentheses. That's how that works. Isn't that interesting? Everything that people worship is outside the set. You're not a part of that set. So if you're worshiping something, you're not worshiping God. It is naturally exclusive. Anything you're hoping and looking for to bring meaning to your life is outside the set. There is only a complete set called Christ. Christ fulfills that set. He is the Alpha and Omega. There's another set. In Isaiah 41, 1-4, it says, Listen to me in silence. 
coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. Let them approach and then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword. This is not a pleasant verse. Like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and then passes by safely on paths which his feet haven't even trod. Who has performed this and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first with the last. I am He. This concept of first and last, Alpha and Omega. Now what, you know, what does this have to do with anything? He's talking about his interactions with man. There was a concept that became popular in Europe and then some, not all, of our founding fathers kind of bought into it. Some of the ones that were more enlightened and had traveled to Europe kind of bought into some of this. Called deism. Deism was deism. It was this idea that, well, we, we kind of know we have to admit that somebody started this whole thing. So they acknowledged that God started everything. But then they said, but then God kind of let it go from there and develop on its own. Because Darwin was getting popular at the time. Or not Darwin. Um, uh, shoot, uh, I forget his name. But the, the, the Darwinian thought, basically. Uh, the uh, Nietzsche, I think, around, was around that time. And some, some of these, these thoughts that were against uh, Christianity and some of these some of these different ideas and um, were, were were gaining popularity and, and so they were looking for an excuse to uh, separate themselves and remove themselves from obligation and, and so this became a convenient thing and we still see it today where people are like oh. Everybody seems to be talking about this, and, and yet I still want to believe in God, and so I, I want to harmonize these somehow. I want, I want these things to kind of fit in one shelf so I don't look stupid to this group, but I, I still like being in this group. So I want to be kind of in both groups. God is exclusive. He's like, parentheses, it's me. It's not this other thing over here. And he says, so, so Dia said, well, well, he just started it and let it evolve and all the, all the things that... This is not a new idea. This is hundreds of years old. They let it go from there and it became what it is now. And that way we can separate... God doesn't really involve himself in human affairs anymore. So there was that, that idea. God says he calls the generations. In other words, he, he addresses or he is involved with Generations after generations from the very beginning. God did not just start this thing and leave. Like, I'm on vacation, it's up to you. God has been involved in generations, every one of them, from the very, very beginning. So, we could say it like this. In the set called human life, there is Christ. Not, not, that, not in a pantheistic sense that, you know, like... Uh, uh, I'm part of God and the snowflake is a part of God and trees are a part of God. Not like that. But I'm saying in the, in the, in the set called interacting with me, Christ is it. Christ is involved in everything. And He wants to be involved in everything. I told you about my, my love for Excel. 
I know. Uh, let's, look, let's look at Galatians 3 and it will illustrate what I want to say. He says, let me ask you this. And I understand this is talking about the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about God and Christ is a part of that. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or hearing by faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now perfected in the flesh? We like God as the Alpha, but not necessarily the Omega. Right? You start with me. He says, you better finish with me. See, I, in Excel, I know that that is a syntax error. You can't start with the precedence. In fact, it's such a common thing that in Excel, they just automatically put it on there for you. Because it has to be there. Right? I just hit enter and it goes, Boop, and it's there. I don't even have to think about it. It just automatically knows it is a syntax error to start a series or start a set and not finish it. It needs to be finished. I like things finished. Christ says, you can't just start with me. You can't start with me and not finish with me. You can't start with Christ and go, but from here on out, I'm going to take it and I'm going to do what I want with it. Nope, it doesn't work that way. Christ is the complete set. You have them or you don't. I am the complete set. So we're going to close <coughs> with a couple of thoughts. <coughs> Number one. Would you like to start again? Man, look at lists of things that you didn't do the way you wanted to. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of them like, man, I have a I have a list of of things that are supposed to get done on my house, and every couple of months I have to edit it because I'm not where I'm supposed to be. It just it didn't happen. Like I budget my weeks. I'm like, okay, Monday, four to six, I got this. And this. I have a budget out, but of course, projects always like oh, man, I got. I make all these trips to Menards, ladies to go. And they all know me. Like, oh, you're back again. Yeah, I'm back again. And uh, so, so that kind of draws all my projects out and everything. It's like, oh man, things take so much longer. Things I have to start again. I did this and I have to take it off and do it again. And just that's just the way things are in life. There's times when I want to start again. The best place to start is at the beginning. Start again. The place all things start with is Christ. Back up. Where did we go off? Where did I get off the track at? I got off the track somewhere. Back up. Start again. Okay. Look back at last year. It was a good year. Well, most everybody you just stayed with it for the most part with the Bible thing. Right? That was look, isn't that something to look back and go, okay, so I kind of had a rough spot there, and had, you know, so Ezekiel that was kind of tough, and okay. Start again. Back up, start again. There's always time to start again. As long as you're here. As long as you're in that set called life. There's a time to start again. To start again. And the second thought. Don't wait. Do not wait. Because things go by quickly. 180 days till Christmas. 170. Oh my goodness, seems like it's not going to get. Four days till school starts. Wow, that went fast. Where did that go? 
<laughs> yes. I, uh, I, I don't use Skype that often. And uh, I have it still on my, on, on my stuff. I don't know why. I don't use it. I, I got on there the other day. And um, there's like a, a, a greeting that you can you, like customize your greeting. Mine says, so long, 2012. We hardly knew you. <laughs> it still says that. I mean, you can tell how often I use it. Where did 2012 go? Where did that go? Hey, long gone. Time goes by so quickly. Do not wait. Do not wait to start again. Do not wait to start the first time. All things start with Christ and all things finish with Christ. He is the beginning, but He will bring an end. And there will be a complete set called earth. It's a complete set that had a start and it has a finish. And that set could be 2018. Still a few hours left in that. I don't know what the complete set is. Do not wait. Just start again.